Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. My wife has asked me for a detailed account of my last relapse two years ago with pornography and Netflix. I tried to do this, but she wants to know exactly what I watched and when. I can't remember. I really can't. And I, yeah, I don't want to make stuff up. I can't even remember accurately if I viewed pornography or sexually explicit programs the first day she left for the week. I've told her I viewed both that week, but that's not enough for her. She needs to know exactly when and what. How can I remember better? Tammy? Oh, to me, it's the wrong question because you you won't remember better. This was two years ago in an in a um, in a formal therapeutic disclosure. It isn't all the gory details. I, I mean, I, so so to me, the question is, what is it that she feels uh, that she does two years ago? Like this is there's a big disconnect. Right. I, I I and I don't know what exactly it is but she's very focused on two years ago. That to me is not like, are you doing recovery work? What are you doing to show that you're different? If you aren't showing that you're different, she could very well get stuck on the two years ago. But if, you know, are you going to 12 step? Do you have a, I mean, it's all this stuff. Do you have a sponsor? Have you done the 12 steps? Two years, you know, have you done our um, uh, sex addiction 101 or porn addiction 101 work group out of the doghouse for men who've been caught cheating? I mean, there's so many resources. Yeah, doghouse would be good. If if you have, you know, if you have done the work and you have a three circle plan and you you like, you have all of the the support in place so that you make sure there isn't another relapse. Um, But a formal therapeutic disclosure doesn't go into all the gory details. I mean, you know, like it's, it's a couple of pages and it's succinct. It's not, it's not going through all of that. So, so I'm kind of wondering a what's going on for you in the recovery and B, you know, I am concerned that she has not gotten support uh, to move forward, but if you're not doing a, then she's not going to feel that there's a space for the, for the trust. But I was talking to somebody the other day and who knows what, but we were talking about, you know, if, if you get stuck in those patterns, then the relationship gets stuck too. So, so, you know, you're, you're not moving forward. If you're always looking in the rear view mirror at two years ago, you know, at that incident and you then, then you're both stuck, you know, and, and it's so injurious to the, to both of you, you know, to, to not have a pathway. It's not easy, but there is a pathway forward. So Dr. Rob, what are your thoughts? Well, I certainly want to do it. Are you, Tammy? I mean, I'm curious what triggered this. Has this been going on for two years or is it just oh, the last six weeks yeah. Yeah. that this has been brought up? And if it is more recently, what, what triggered it? Was it you being home watching TV or is it something that made her think back <clears throat> to that? Um, I, or I, she's going I, away. Yeah. That's because it was the last, she or went away from it. So maybe she's getting, yeah, that I hadn't thought of that too. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, say something about that. Um, one of our greatest triggers is unstructured time alone. And also when someone we love and are close to goes away, we have huge abandonment issues and we don't know it. We just think, oh, I can't, an active addiction. I can't wait till they're gone so I can go act out. But what's underneath that is I don't really want to be alone and I don't really want them to go. And I'm a little, but we don't recognize those feelings. We're so onto the addiction already. But um, I agree with something else that Tammy said, which is, um, well, actually, 
so this is a little different, but spouses want to know everything. I understand this. You know, it's it's actually kind of a false uh, idea that if you and I hear this all the time. I just want to know this. This is the last thing that I want to know. I need, and then an hour later, but what about this? And what about that? Or two days later, it's ne it never ends because you're not really asking questions to get an answer. I mean, you may be, but the real big question is, can I trust you? You know, I, I want to know every single thing. By the way, spouses do not ask us everything and go after everything and search through everything because they want to leave us. They go through all of this because they are looking for a reason to be able to stay. And this is someone who's saying to you, I don't feel safe. I want to feel safe. Um, can you make me feel safe? The only issue is that she thinks that the way to feel safe is to get an answer to this particular question. By the way, what I didn't hear, and I think this is important, is um, if she does go out of town again, what have you set up for yourself? Does she feel safe that you're going to three meetings, that you're going to call your sponsor, that you're going to, you know, what are you doing during, while she's away, if she's going away again, that, you know, are, is she able to track you, you know, um, you know, I'm not saying you track someone for years, but what can make her, and ask her, what would make you feel safe? I can't answer this question anymore. Um, there is one more thing, and it is directly related to Out of the Doghouse, you know, this book I wrote about healing a broken relationship with the woman when you've cheated on her. You may not know how to, um, um, effectively express what you want to say to her. And it may come off as defensive. It may come off as, you know, just leave me alone. I mean, who knows? So there are ways to learn how to better communicate your uh, regret, your wanting to move forward, you know, all of that stuff. And you can learn that. <laughs> That's why we teach courses in it and why I wrote a book about it, because most men that I've worked with don't really understand the pain a woman goes through when she's cheated on. And very few of them know what to do with it, even if they do understand it. So it may well be that you have not found a way to clear all of this with her. Um, so um, he, he did yeah, add that he it was the anniversary of the it, it was the anniversary. So um, um, but, you know, I but I was also thinking I, I don't think I would want as an addict to be focused on that acting out in, and trying to remember all the, all the gory details. You know, like to me, that would be problematic for my recovery to have to go back and focus on, on all of that. I, I was thinking, you know, like, I think it would be absolutely worthwhile to you know, say, I know that my previous behavior hurt her. I hurt you. I, I'm so sorry. I am working on being a better person. I can't retract that, but I want to move forward. And, and, you know, giving her all the details, first of all, that you can't remember. Um, but you know, doing that, it's just extra trauma for, for partners. I mean, I, unfortunately I end up dealing with this all the time because, you know, people are calling and they've gotten too much information and now that is stuck in their heads. And so I have great concern mm -hmm that the more you share and the more she hears, that will be, you know, the tape playing through her mind as well. So, but And this, anyway. Tammy, is exactly what the next question is about, by the way, I was taking a look. Oh, oh by the way, let me just okay. say, I put my podcast in there because there's a lot of information about yeah. healing sexuality, healing intimacy, working on um, regaining trust. I mean, there's so many experts I've talked to there. People seem to really like it. So I do recommend it is a free resource. Um, and we have tons of shows. 
Um, go ahead, Tammy. Okay. Why don't you read it? Betrayed male with S.A. wife. I'm aware of the views about how the lies and deceit and betrayal trauma are the most hurtful and take the most to heal from. I've also heard a lot on how to heal from that. What I don't hear a lot about is what areas in self to focus on healing when specifically thinking about the purely physical aspects, i.e. Right. quantity and characteristics of physical acting out that cause shock and surprise. Mm, yeah. So it is related to last question, and this is exactly what we don't want partners to know yeah. is so much information. This is exactly the end of it. Like I couldn't say this better, that at a certain point, if you see or hear too many details, you know, how big their what's this was or how many times they did what or what motel, you know, it, it, some, well, mo, what motel is fine, but the, the details of what kind of sex or what their body looks like or don't, we don't share that <laughs> no matter how many times we're asked because we know. And we are trained to know as therapists, as, as sex addiction therapists, that once you hear that, you will never get it out of your head. You will, every time you're sexual for a long time, you'll say, well, but, but they wanted this and I'm that, and they wanted this and I'm not that. And so really the answer to your question is stop asking questions. Um, try to focus on the positive piece. I hate to say that, which is the recovery. Um, and also, I really think that there are sex therapists and forms of sex therapy that can help ease you back into intimacy or sexual intimacy. You don't start with penetrative sex. You start with holding hands. You know, you start with looking in each other's eyes and you go to hold hands and your partner says, no, that doesn't feel safe. Okay, maybe we start out by looking at each other. Okay, now we're holding hands. Does it feel okay for you to massage my shoulders? No, there's a whole process of regaining physical intimacy and trust. I think Tammy's mentioned it before, we call it sensate focus. Um, we're taught it in the sex therapy world. There are things that you guys can do and learn about to recreate intimacy that might proceed by months before you're actually having what, you know penetrative sex. So um, I think slow down, stop asking questions, make your peace as you can with what happened and then start new. Start holding and touching like you've never met before and stop when it doesn't feel comfortable and slowly but surely you will work your way back to that. That's fine. And answer. there are some trauma modalities because like if you're having a physical reaction, like, and, and some people do, like they have a body, like they see a person that might represent that type, shall we say. Um, so, and, and you know, there can be like, <gasps> you know, so there are some modalities and it doesn't take the trauma away. It just can uh, lessen kind of the vibration, you know, within you. So, uh, you know, people like EMDR, but somatic experience and brains, there's different modalities and there may be some merit in, in just working on, um, you know, getting that pain lessened. It, it it's it's in your brain unfortunately so um that's challenging but but there are some things that can can help shift in and like dr rob said is shifting the focus of like can you either focus on this or i can focus on a pathway moving forward so and to both um addicts in part well to addicts in particular when your spouse this is the, the question before when your spouse says well i know you did this and i want to know about this and it doesn't matter when it's true or not you don't need to clarify right. what you need to say is or hopefully that didn't happen but i completely understand that you don't trust me because i've broken your heart and lied to you so many times don't try to make up like uh you don't don't try this well you don't understand i haven't done that in years or no i'm not doing that anymore or why do you keep reading into the things i'm doing all of those things are perfectly valid for a partner. Your job is to say, I'm doing the best I can. I haven't acted out. I'm, you know, 
you have every right to feel all those feelings. I have hurt you. I have let you down and I wouldn't trust me either. Um, that's what makes a partner feel better that you understand what they're going through. Not that you're trying to make it better. And I normally we don't pay much attention to the chat, but this person said it's more about the shock factor that I didn't know my partner was capable of that. And that's true of all the partners. I mean, please, please hear me like you are not alone. Every partner is, you know, going, I, you know, I can't believe this person that I trusted was capable of, of doing that, you know, and like the previous one, do they really even love me? So, so unfortunately, that is part of the healing for betrayed partners. But I, I do want to go back to if you loved me, you wouldn't do that. Um, it really, again, mm -hmm. um, what you just said, I wanted to comment, it was in the chat, right? Um, mm -hmm. Where is it? The shock um, factor. I didn't know my partner. Well, go back to drugs and alcohol. I didn't know that my wife was capable of driving while drinking with our children. I thought they loved our children. I thought they loved, how could they possibly, don't they realize what could have happened? They'd say they love our kids, but how could they? It really is the same conundrum, which is if you love me, how could you do this? Because I'm an addict and I can split parts of my life into pieces. That's what helps me with my addiction. So I don't think it's about love, but I, especially when you've been sexually or romantically betrayed, it is impossible to not say what's wrong with me or what's wrong with us, or if you love me or, but I, and you, you have a right to all those feelings and it, betrayal sucks and alcohol is a betrayal. Gambling is a betrayal. You know, all of those things are a betrayal of love and connection. So you have to keep in mind, this is an addiction. And while it's almost, it is impossible to, to take the person, how personal it is out of your heart. Um, this, they would have done this with any stuff since any experience. It, it, it's just, this is the one they ended up on because of what happened to them when they were younger. And many of them are doing other things too. That's why we're looking holistically. Well, there's multi-addictions, right? Yeah, there really right. is. So, Okay, the next question. I've been married over 30 years to my PA husband who obviously has been acting out in secret for decades. Why does the addict bring someone else into this mess in the first place? Why wouldn't it be easier to do the addiction if you never had anyone to answer to? He is doing great in recovery, but why drag me into this BS? Okay, so I have an answer for you that that goes back to all the questions. We have a theme today, mm -hmm. by the way, Tammy. The theme is, can you love me and do these things too? And my answer is, he brought you into this because he loves you and he wants to be with you and he wants to work the relationship out, but he's so broken. He didn't bring you into this because of this. He didn't, I'm guessing, he didn't sadistically want to make your life miserable. My guess is he loves you, has always loved you, but is incredibly broken. You know, he could just leave you if he didn't want to. He could leave for an affair partner. He'd lose for a porn star, leave for a porn. There are many, many reasons. He could leave for the connections he's having online. Then he'd have more time to look at the porn. But the bottom line is, is that um, we're there because we love you. And we, we don't know how to make it better. And we're so afraid of what will happen if we get revealed. So um, I think what this person did is they didn't just drag you into the biz this BS. They dragged you into their life. And you wanted to be in their life. You weren't expecting this part, but it wasn't the reason they dragged you in your life. They dragged you in your life because obviously you're very important to them. They've stayed with you all these years. Besides, you share a lot of other things in acting out. I know it doesn't feel like that in the beginning, but you have family, you have friends, you have home, you have community, you have work. There's so many, you have vacations, you have a history. There are so many things that 
are reasons why you would be together and why you do care about each other. This is an anomaly. This is something that is a problem that needs to be dealt with, but it doesn't mean that you're not loved, valued, or appreciated, even though I know, again, if you love me, you wouldn't use the heroin. Well, why did you drag me into this problem with your heroin? Because I love you and I wanted to be with you, but I have this heroin problem. So anyway, thoughts, Tammy? Well, and it is really challenging. And, but I, I think it, what it feels like is the all or nothing. Like, I wish I hadn't spent any of the 30 years with this person because I right. feel so hurt now. And, and I love what you were sharing of like, if you can look at things and go, well, that was good. And that was good. And it may be too early you know, to do that, but, but, but it isn't, it isn't as black and white as it, you know, as we'd like to make it like, because then it would be really easy to leave, you know, like if he was a horrible person across all aspects, you wouldn't have been married to him for 30 right. years, but he isn't, you know, and, and you aren't together. I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's way more complex and complicated, but yes, there's some brokenness, but it's not, you know, it's, you know, it's not shards of everything broken. It's there's some brokenness. And, and if he's on a recovery path, you know, I mean, I hear this all the time of you know, people that I heard it from a therapist today from a client um, uh, and, and, I really appreciate when the alumni say that their lives were changed, that it was life-changing to come. I care more when it's partners and spouses, and here's why. And this is what the therapist shared today, um, because that means that the guys that came to our treatment program did the work, and then they took it home, and they didn't just return to their old ways. They actually are using the tools that they are learning, leaning into the support that they have been given so that they can show you, too, that they are, are in the process of changing. And it's a process. But you know, there is help. There is, you know, I think there's a lot of hope for lots of people. Not everybody. There are people that absolutely don't want it. But for those that do, you know, you are on the journey with them. And I hope that there's a healing journey. So the next 30 years, you know, are, you know, you have, have more joy and honesty in your relationship. I'd like to flip this, Tammy, as we say in Hollywood, flip the script. And I'd like to read your question to you in a different way. Um, I've been married, uh, um, I've been married for over 30 years to my PA husband who has been acting out in secret for decades. Um, why did I stay in this mess? Wouldn't it be easier for me to just leave? He's doing great in recovery, but, but why do I stay? So if you flip it on you and take some of the focus off of him, it's not so much why did he bring you into this, but why are you staying? That brings up the question of what do you care about? What is it meant to you? Why are you still there? Because you can say, why did this person bring this to me? But now that they have, the question isn't why do they bring me all this? The question for you is, do I want to? And why have I? remained here and my guess is that's the answer to all the stuff that was positive and does work and by the way most of you spouses say if this happened again i would leave you don't most of you say um i i i can't tolerate what's happened i'm leaving you don't and the reason you don't is not because you're so broken because you love this person i wrote a book about this called pro-dependence it's about a whole new lens on what used to be called codependency which is you're not playing out your problem by staying with them you're playing into love and relationship. And that should be applauded um, despite the difficulties and pain that it has cost you. So anyway, um, my question would be, why are you, in a very loving way, but why are you staying? You yeah, like that one yeah, I yeah, tell. no, I do. And it's not, you know, it's not pathologizing you. It's not like, why are you? It, right. it really is. No. You know, but look at it as what, you know, 
I, I, I bet you are a loving person that loves this person despite, you know, those highly problematic behaviors. And so, um, so yeah, the, I hear grief and I get it. And, you know, grieving the loss of what you thought you had for 30 years, you know, grieving the loss of the partner that you thought you had for 30 years. So, but, you know, doing the grieving work, there's a, there is a path forward, I promise. Hope is really important here. And by the way, Tammy and I, although we may sound like a little bit, are not saying, oh, don't worry about it. They're just an addict. They're doing what no. addicts do. They're completely accountable and responsible for their behavior. Yes. And both of you will suffer for a long time. Um, but that doesn't mean that you want to throw away 30 years. You know, it, it may be the right thing to do. I don't know. Um, but it's not something I would necessarily do quickly or without a lot of thought. Um, and maybe the worst thing is you might live apart for a while and see what that's like, you know? Um, yeah. Let's keep moving. Well, I, and, no, I, I want to add to that too, because I, you know, I hear from people who have left the relationship or the person has left them either way. And that doesn't take away all the pain, you know? So there's, I think sometimes a mistaken belief that, well, if I just leave him, you know, then, then the problem is gone and that can be with the addict too, but, but it isn't, it doesn't change the, you know, the emotional, it doesn't change the, the grief. And yeah, it, it really, so, so it, it, you know, leaving is absolutely an option, but do it with thought and input from, from people who can give you good guidance, not just the answer that you want. So, okay. Next question. I've, uh, I have been a lying addict for 35 years and my think, spouse. Sorry, I was trying to stop. I was trying to figure out what it had to do with the addict. Addict. I know. And I thought well, maybe I, they put their lies in the attic. Yeah. I, I, sorry. I just I, didn't understand. Fortunately, I caught it as I was reading it because I was job, thinking yeah. addict too. I was lying in the addict and I was like, no, okay. I said I'm a lying <laughs> addict. So thank you. Okay. Thank you for writing. We're not making fun of you. I've been a lying addict for 35 years and my spouse has stuck with me. After alcoholism and five years of sobriety, my addiction morphed into online women where I got caught in, in several money scams, ultimately losing lots of money. My spouse has stuck with me all this time. I'm completely willing to turn my life over and I know I really need to revisit steps four and five. Truth is, I did not even recognize how good a, a liar I am, I was. The shame of the last breach is overwhelming now. So is there a question? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. To me, it's like, uh, so here's what I read. I was like, okay, I read money issues, alcohol issues, sex issues. This is, I, I love 12 steps. Please hear me clearly on this. I love 12 steps. That would not be, you have lots going on and you have, you know, I, I'm happy your wife is sticking by you. That's amazing for her. I hope she's getting support. Just doing another fourth and fifth step isn't going to be enough. I would invite you. I mean, I mean, I, to me, this is like, come to our treatment program. We can help you with the underlying issues too, but at least, you know, we've got work groups, you know, on, on sex addiction there's so many resources and I'm concerned that you will be doing a minimal amount, you know, just trying to put a patch on these issues right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, I wonder how you can look, you have all these addictions. That means you have a lot of emotional challenges. And one of the big emotional challenges is that we turn on ourselves, you know, so this undue focus on your own misery. I mean, I don't know what's going on. Are you depressed? 
you know, do you have other shame, consistent shame, even though you're working on yourself, may be a form of depression. Um, being a good liar means you were a good addict. You know, you have to be a good liar to be a good addict. So here's what, I, two things I would give you. Um, one is the promises. If you read the promises of the 12 step program, it's one of the most meaningful things I ever read. The only few times I cry in meetings is when I read the promises because it tells me that there is hope for change and that, mm -hmm. that I can move shame from shame to grace. And I really believe that. I mean, I think part of what Tammy and I truly believe is that people can heal and hope mm -hmm. is possible and relationships can mm -hmm. change. And I'm really glad that you are working on yourself. Um, so the promises is one thing. And the other thing was, I'm just going to touch on this. Maybe shame is a character defect. You know, maybe shame and going to self-hatred when you're not paying attention, you know, when you just keep going back to you, maybe something, that's something you should look at. You know, what am I not looking at? What am I not, as I'm attacking myself, what am I not seeing? Again, this another piece of program since you brought it up is service. I cannot feel shame and to help other people at the same time. So I would ask you rather than four and five, what is your 10th step? What are you doing? What is your... 11th what i'm sorry service now i lost my head um 12 12th is service yeah so right. having had a spiritual wake yeah so right anyway so, so what are you what are you doing yeah. to, to reach out and help others so that you can you may not feel good about your relationship for a long time but you can feel about how good about helping a newcomer um you're not bad you're broken and I know that because you want to get better and you're working so hard. I do think, and I agree with Tammy, that with multiple addictions and all of this, I mean, these are issues that really are best handled in treatment. And by the way, I want to say something else in general about addiction, sex addiction. It is not unusual for me to hear about scams. By the time people enter the center, I hear this a lot, you know, especially yeah. people have means. You know, it's like, well, this person said they needed this and they said they needed that or when I was having sex with them they told me this or you know and before I know blackmail because we want to feel so special we want to feel like the most important one and so we will do whatever it takes to keep that illusion up and if that means we're giving you things and doing things for you well we just feel like we're being a good person but what we're really doing is trying to feel get the focus of you on us so um I, I do wonder if there's a financial amends that you can make, and I don't know what that means. Some of us spend our kids' college fund. Some of us spend money we could have been tithing. Some of us spend uh, money a spouse could have used for a whole bunch of other things. So one of the things I'd be looking at is how can I put that money back? You stole it. How can you return it to your family? Yeah. Okay. So the next question is, forgetting is a big problem. Uh, in my relationship, I forget things that are important to my wife and she sees this as a sign I'm disconnecting like I did in addiction. I have good runs and we get close, but then I mess up. I can understand her frustration and it's frustrating for me, like I'm sabotaging. Is this common in addiction? Let me just say, um, in 30 years of doing this work and doing a lot of writing and thinking, I really don't believe in the concept of self-sabotage. I think there are things that we do that undermine us. For example, when you start to get close, do you feel frightened and do you run away or do you do things that push your partner away? That's not self-sabotage, that's fear of intimacy. You know, there are many ways to look at why we set ourselves up for these kinds of situations. I, I don't like the idea of self-sabotage because it feels like you're never going to win. You're never going to get it right. You're never going to grow past that. You're always going to be disappointing people. You know, you can be a better person. And you can do this right. So, and by the way, I would start sitting down and talking about 
well, here's a way to think about it as a therapist. Before you mess up, what's going on? You know, what's going on between the two of you? Can you notice, you know, you mess up at when, when her mother comes over? <laughs> Do you mess up when, when the two of you were fighting? Do you mess up, you know, some of us, and I know some guys in treatment right now, can be very passive aggressive. And what that means is, is that I do things to undermine us and leave you furious and upset. And, you know, and then I just say, oh, well, I'm self-sabotaging. It's just my addiction. No, you actually did things to undermine the situation purposely, unconsciously, but purposely because you wanted to piss them off. You know, there's no better way of, um, of getting, uh, how do I say this? There's no better way of looking sane and making my partner crazy than by telling them things and just not doing them or saying I never said this gaslighting because then spouses yell and get mad and look crazy and we sit back and say gosh I don't know what the big deal is I just messed up a little bit so you know I would own and look at the patterns of this and this is also a very good therapy issue but self-sabotage my question would be, why is it that you have challenges with whatever you're facing and how can you take those challenges out of the way? I don't think any of us have a desire to sabotage ourselves in our lives. Um, I think there are other issues going on. That's an easy, by the way, there's no terminology in psychiatry in addiction in any of our books that say the word self-sabotage. It's a pop culture concept. It doesn't really exist in therapy world. Yeah, so yeah. Um... I've got lots of thoughts going on in my head with this. It's like, so one of the things I was wondering is, is she clearly communicating? This is important to me. Like, like I, I don't take anything for granted. If something is important to me, I, I will tell my husband, this is important. You know, I need you to hear me with this. If he needs to write a note, whatever. If it's somebody's telling me something, I'm writing a note. I'm doing what I need to do. So I'm kind of wondering, uh, I, I think it's really easy to go, it's important to me, they should know. But if I'm not clearly communicating mm -hmm. it, I, like I'm setting it up, it's almost like this test that's going to get failed, you know? So, so I would, is there another way you can do that? And maybe you say to your spouse, you know, I, I, I want to continue to learn and grow. If something is important to me, can you make sure that you are communicating, this is important to me and that I say it back to you so that I make, I mean, whatever it is that you need to do, and then you do whatever it is, put it on your calendar 16 times, whatever you need to do to make sure that, you know, you're owning that. But I have a feeling that just, you know, starting to take that step towards it might, might help you remember, first of all, but it might also help you know what is going to be important that you, uh, you know, are taking greater care with. And I want to just under sort of go under what Tammy said, which is um, sometimes it's not a specific thing. Sometimes it's like your spouse asks with a hundred different things, what they want and, or what they need or whatever that is. And re it's really all the same request but it's something that we struggle with. And at some point we're going to let them down here, 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 but it isn't that it's the bigger issue of, I don't know, I, I feel overwhelmed or I feel dependent on, or I feel whatever it is. And we might push them away. Is there a commonality to her requests of you? And what is the need underneath that? She needs to feel heard. She needs to feel safe. She needs to feel understood. What is the the meaning of those disappointments rather than just that specific thing. Although Tammy is right, <laughs> write those specific things down and try not to screw it up. Yeah, no, but I love that, that, you know, like, and looking at the patterns, because I, I bet, like you're saying, that there's a pattern to, you know, like this need 
maybe where I, you know, mess up, so to speak, you know, more often. Okay, well, that's good. It's all information, you know, we're human, we're always going to mess up, we are always going to mess up, you know, but how we approach it, how we own it is, you know, is where we can make some progress. And here's one more piece of that. Maybe you're Mm -hmm. angry at her. Maybe there's something going on that you have not expressed or don't know how to express. And so this is your way of saying, I'm going to let you down. I'm going to disappoint you because I am so frustrated and I know exactly what you want and I'm not going to give it to you. Again, passive aggressive, a way to make that person. And then you say back on, I don't know why. I don't know why I keep ruining things. Well, maybe there's a reason. And uh, that's also something I might look at is what is my motivation to keep pushing us apart? And of course, these things aren't always conscious. That's what we're for. Yeah, that no, that's absolutely true. So, okay. What about the abuse that the betrayed partner endures due to the addiction? The concept of fraud, sex becomes rape. I'm not sure I know what the question is. It sounds like I, a I statement. Think I, I, yeah, no, I think this is one of those. There's um, a line of thinking where uh, the, the um, addicts are abusers and right. uh, perpetrators and so then sex with somebody who is an abuser is now deemed rape. Um, uh, so, right. okay. So I'm gonna say something about that. I have been in this field 30 Please. years. And for many years, we were only focused on addicts and we didn't understand what partners went through. We put all of our focus on the addicts and very little on the partners. Then we began to understand about 15 years ago, what partner or 12, what partners needed. And we became very focused on this idea of betrayal, trauma, and what you go through and having more empathy and compassion. But now I believe, and I think Tammy might agree that there are places in my world professionals and people who have certain viewpoints where we're not just addicts we're uh, and we're not just broken people we are bad people and we are going to rape and pillage and and we are sort of criminals and and that our border our, our behavior borders on criminality and we maybe have sociopathy and and i just don't believe all that i mean i'm a recovering addict i live a good life i help people my brain says do that and i question it maybe i do this and i certainly make mistakes but believe me, having had sex with a thousand people, and by the way, that's a 1K when I was younger, I am a full on sex addict. And I know how to make my own life miserable and certainly hurt other people, but I don't do that anymore. And I am not a sociopath. And I, I guess I'm taking this a little personally, you think, Tammy, because this whole movement, which is spouse driven, about we are incredible victims of your sociopathy and you are a perpetrator and you know all of that stuff, I think is over the top. And I think we have gone from, and I want six polygraphs and I want to know every single thing. And that's not how you're going to grow a relationship. That's not how you're going to heal things. You may feel a lot of entitlement and a lot of, well, they get what they deserve, but how does that, how does that really drive things forward? If, if, you know, if they just become the bad person and by the way, partners have issues too. You know, I'm not saying it's direct as this, but if you put all of your energy on that person being the bad person, you are not looking at yourself and both people in a coupleship, no matter how much pain, you need to look at themselves. So I have a few, Tammy, I have to work through my resentments about my field being turned into this kind of, um, uh, all spouses are victims and all addicts are these cruel, terrible people, because it just isn't like that. And if you think it's like that, then don't, 
don't sit around places like this because it doesn't give hope for change. And Tammy and I are all about hope for change. And we wouldn't sit here. We've seen change. We know what it tastes like. What is that? that I have to say, what did that woman say I love about treatment with her husband? She said, you left my husband there. Remember? She, when she, I got she emailed and I love this. She was like, I don't know who you sent me, but I'm keeping him. You can keep the the guy I sent to you. I like this ver I like this guy much better. And I was like, it, it was like what I was saying earlier. It's like I love it when I hear from partners and spouses that they see the change. That's what we go for. And yeah, this mentality of and, and it is very you're the abuser and I'm the victim. And it doesn't create a space for healing the relationship or really healing either one of them because you know if in brokenness do addicts do horrible things that are hurtful to themselves and to everyone else absolutely you know but but to make it be like it's an intentional abuse and they chose to do all of this you know and 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 i'm completely the victim of this and there's no place or empowerment for a victim i mean they're they're stuck you know and that's a horrible thing to think of that they're forever stuck as a victim you know, of, of somebody else's brokenness. Well, I'll take it to another level, which is why would you want to be a spouse who's been living with a, a sadistic sociopath? Is that, did you really just not see that at all? Or is it that they have a problem with certain behaviors, but in other arenas, they're a reason, reasonable human being? You know, um, our addictions are not global. It's not everything we are. Um, it's a part of how we're broken. And if you're looking for anyone to say that your spouse is a bad person, um, you know, this isn't the right train to be on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.